What's cracking? Welcome to Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio. I'm your host, Darren Fat Man McDuffie, and this episode is being brought to you as always by I'm the Fat Man.com. We have a show, actually a bonus show today with a friend of mine, Diane Kayser. Diane is a, a functional diagnostic nutritionist, and she's actually coming back to the show. She did a show previously about two years ago, I think it was, on sleep, sex, and serotonin. If you haven't listened to that show, I would encourage that you go back and do that um, as well. But before I get into talking more about Diane's project, just wanted to remind you to go back and listen to a previous episode I did just last night with Dr. Sky Weintraub. Dr. Sky has a book called The Parasite Menace and we were discussing some things on parasites. She dropped a lot of science on that show so I would encourage you to go back and listen when you get a chance. And also, if you are someone out there who's having digestive issues, one thing that you may want to consider doing is getting a test for parasites and then ultimately doing a parasite cleanse. As I, as I understand from Dr. Scott, that's really important. She's been doing this for a number of years. So again, listen to the show and get that information because it can help you. Now, Diane Kayser is a friend of mine. And uh, if you've been following me uh, for any amount of time, you know that we were connected at one time. We had a podcast called the Wellness Warrior Radio Show. Had a lot of fun on that podcast. And Diane decided to go off and do some things. And she's really been blazing new trails with a lot of the things that she's doing. So inviting her back to the show right now to discuss her latest project, which is called the Heart to Happiness Summit. But before I get Diane on, I just wanted to take a chance, take some time rather, to introduce her and read her bio. Diane Kayser is the doctor's nutritionist. She helps clients all around the world, but most specifically in Orange County, California, where many doctors entrust their patients to her to teach them self-love through nutrition, meditation, fitness, and fulfilling their dreams. With a seven-year clinical background and lifelong experience, Diane is a passion expert on reversing autoimmune disease, detoxification, natural fertility, digestion challenges, and energy upgrades. She's written programs and ebooks to teach her clients how to thrive, such as the Sexy Belly Guide, Hashimoto's Guide to Reversing Autoimmune Disease, and the Warrior Cleanse. They were born through her own health struggles, which she reversed through the tenets she teaches. Her recent passion project is the Heart to Happiness Summit, where she brings together 25 experts from around the world to enlighten us to a greater version of ourselves through the heart to find happiness and reconnect with each other and our purpose. She helps conscious, successful women detox divine draining toxins out of their lives so they can reverse disease, supercharge their potential, and look and feel stunning so they can focus on their dreams and follow their heart with reckless abandon. I introduce to you Diane Kayser. Please enjoy the show. Diane Kayser, welcome to Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio. How are you today? Darren McDuffie, my old man, my old man is in my old pod podcast partner. Yep, your old partner. I was telling everybody before that on the pre-segment that you and I had an old show, Wellness Warrior Radio, the Wellness Warrior Radio show, and that I was welcoming you back. So welcome back. And Yay! I, <laughs> and I know that you have something really big that you've been working on, and we'll get to that a little bit later. <laughs> But um, I wanted to kind of give people a little 
preview or a glimpse of who you are and just ask you some questions before we get into talking about your big project that you've been working on. It's actually going on right now. And even in that pre-segment, I told them to listen to it, make sure they go on and sign up because I've been actually watching some of the videos and I've gotten a lot out of the videos myself. And to think that, you know, I think that I... I'm not a know-it-all, but I think I know a lot more than the average person. Mm-hmm. And I've been getting a lot of just interesting information, a lot of little nuggets out of the videos that I've been watching. So, again, Yay. yeah, if you're out there listening, then go in to uh, the segment and then go and sign up for uh, Diane's uh, summit because you'll get a lot of information out there. So, Diane... I know your background, I know who you are, but maybe our my audience doesn't know who you really are. So you were born in Sacramento, California. I actually lived in Sacramento for a while, so I know how that was. But mm-hmm. you also played uh, pro soccer for a while. I did. And uh, I can relate to that. And, uh, you know, one of the things that happens with a lot of athletes like yourself and myself is that we have to transition into what I would consider the work world. We're no longer doing athletics. We transfer into the work world. And you happen to land in financial planning. Is that correct? Yes. So tell me about that. Tell me about what you were doing with financial planning and why everything uh, suddenly changed. I was following a very sexy career that I knew made a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) It was, um, I mean, if if you, if you look at every decision that we make in life, we kind of have, I mean, you, you decide based on what your truth is, like your, your, like your soul's purpose. Like, what am I here for? What really drives me? What makes me feel alive? What, what turns me on when I think about doing it for others and doing it for myself? And, uh, you know, the, the root of, of who I am and, and what I'm here for. And I think that this pretty much is interwoven into the spirituality and the thumbprint of every single human being is that what makes us light up the most and what makes us happiest and most fulfilled is when we help other people, right? Mm-hmm. Like when we have a purpose and then there's a sense of fulfillment when we see on the other side of that, when we help someone, how it benefits them. And so the root of everything that, that I like to do is to, to see other people succeed, to see people smile, to see them happy. And so I, I'm not going to condemn myself too much because, you know, being a financial planner, I, I got to help so many families. Like I had about 150 uh, families as clients before I sold my practice. And um, it, it has enabled me. I mean, I saved a ton of money when I did it. It enabled me to save a lot of money. It's enabled me to travel the world quite a few times. Um, but I did, I did definitely do that in college when I was, I got a scholarship for soccer and academics Mm -hmm. and I did business administration because I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just wanted to play soccer (laughs) and then (laughs) I just chose like the default, right? Like, well, if I learn business administration and marketing, then I can do that with any business. And I always knew I wanted to work for myself. Um, because, you know, as athletes, we're self-driven. We don't do so well with telling you know, other people telling us what to do because we like to do it our way because we, you know, kind of understand the whole field of vision. Right. And so I wanted to be a stockbroker because I thought it was sexy and I wanted to make a lot of money. I knew that. I didn't know why. I didn't know why I wanted to make a lot of money. And I think that's really important. Like when you make a lot of money, what are you going to do with it? And what is it going to bring you? And are you going to give it to others? Are you going to consume it yourself? Are you going to use it to buy bud implants? Like, what is it that you're going to use this money to do, right? Right, right. So 
I thought Stockbroker was too limited because it was just dealing with transacting, you know, individual company investments. And then I thought, I want to do something more comprehensive because saving money on your taxes will affect your ability to save for retirement, will affect your estate planning and how much you pass down to the kids and life insurance and what if something happens and cat- catastrophe. And I let, I'm a planner by nature. And so I really loved that career. But it got to this point where after um, Bernie Madoff had um, done all of his schematics and, and filth in the um, financial world, it became a very difficult to trust industry. And that's when I started getting the bad taste of, um, I don't really like the compliance depth of, of this industry. And I, and I got out. Yeah. So something you became just, you weren't happy anymore. And uh, you decided to make a change as all of us at some point do. Mm-hmm. Some people never really make the change, and then that's why they keep being unhappy. But you decide to make the change, and that change led you from uh, Sacramento down to Southern California. Well, you um, know what, Dee? I'm going to interrupt you there. Mm-hmm. I actually sort of made that change. Um, mm-hmm. And this is this is the power of setting intentions and the power of, and you and I talk about this a lot, but the power of the laws of attraction. And... I remember one day I wasn't happy with what I was doing anymore, and I felt stifled, and I needed to move somewhere else instead of Sacramento. I felt limited, and I wanted to reach my wings farther, and I, I sat down, and I valued my business, and I went, wow, that would afford me a pretty good life, and I valued it, and I put it in my top drawer as a bookmark to the Laws of Attraction, the book, uh-huh. The Secret, right? Uh-huh. I was reading that at the same time. I didn't decide to sell my business my business decided to make me sell it, and I had to. I was forced out. Um, it was three months after I put that bookmark into that book that I was forced to sell my business. So I didn't make the decision, and I think that sometimes that's what we need to realize is that sometimes the power of our intentions, when we're out of alignment with our truth and where we're at, if we're not strong enough to pull out of something that we know is not good for us, that, w- that will be forced upon us. Yeah, and you're that's what happened to me. Yeah, you're right because the universe has knocked me upside my head a couple of times, and, <laughs> you, and, <laughs> and the universe will actually put you where you want it wants you to be. And a lot of people don't actually um, realize that. So you are forced to sell your business, and obviously you migrate down to Southern California and you start doing your fitness. You start co- uh, competing mm-hmm. in fitness. Tell us about how that happened. How did I get into it? You mean? Yeah. Well, so I think that what, what we do when, we, when we're shaken up, you know, like when the, when the truth of something happens and it's presented in front of us, we can either, we can look at it in one of two ways. The truth can either hurt us or it can change us. And so at first when it happened, I remember thinking, ouch. And then my aunt, when I called her crying, telling her what happened, she said, congratulations, this is the, the best thing that's ever happened to you. And I was like, screw you, what? And, and <laughs> right. I went wait a second, she's totally right. Like, this is going to change me in a way that I, that I know that is best for me. And so what I did is, you know, when I was lost, I defaulted back to what I knew was comfortable, right? Because I was like, so lost, I went, what am I good at? I need to feel good at something right now so that I can build my confidence and, and at least start walking the path to where I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I knew my body. I knew how to build my body. I knew how to take care of my body. And so I started um, training again. I started personal training in Southern California, and we did like the Spartan training. I was training with one of the trainers who trained some of the actors for the movie um, 300. And so it was some pretty hardcore training. And I decided that I wanted to do bodybuilding. 
Okay, so not like the crazy bodybuilding women, but like the figure ones, the ones that are toned and muscly and sexy. The look has definitely changed since I first started, um, and it's a lot more unhealthy now. And um, pretty much every woman that is on stage uh, in the in the um, section that I was in, which is figure, is on some kind of an anabolic steroid, um, mm -hmm. some kind of a fat burner. Um, I feel awful for women who don't know this, but that is exactly what it takes to look like that. It, it is a um, an eating disorder. Um, you know when it's it's compulsive weighing your food. It's um, definitely taking you know two to three different kinds of drugs to look like that. And so when I first got in the industry, I didn't know that that's what it would take to succeed. However, in my second show, I took the overall class and I won and I qualified for nationals. But then the next step was Diana, if you want to, um, you know, if, if you want it, because I went and comp competed in state, and they said if you want to win state, you have to take steroids because everybody else is doing it. And if you want to win nationals, you have to take steroids because everyone else is doing it. And I was like, oh my, ow, oh, um, I don't think this is for me. And so I pulled out of that too. And then that's when I got into nutrition and yoga because I really went from, you know, I, I, deception started really hitting me hard, Darren. Deception in finance, I pulled out of it. Deception in what I thought was fitness, I pulled out of that. And so I've just been chasing truth since then. And that's how I found nutrition now. And I actually have a bodybuilding show next month that I'm doing, but it's a natural bodybuilding show. Right. Um, it's not being 10% body fat. It's, you know, it's okay with 14 or 15 and just showing up as you are. So I'm still doing it, but not in the, the kind of mainstream bodybuilding that everybody sees today on magazines and whatnot yeah so um you actually won a fitness championship i can't remember i think it was npc fitness championship mm -hmm. and you had a lot of friends that say they were going to show up to your fitness championship i believe it might have been 14 friends that say they were going to show up to your fitness friendship your fitness championship and none of them showed up what did you learn from that experience and how did you actually feel about that whole thing? Whoa, Dee, I was just talking about this the other day. It, it, it doesn't come up that often. And it's one of those ones that whenever I feel alone, I go back to this moment and I remember the tears that I had streaming down my face when I left that show. So I, I want to start your this answer with a quote that you had sent me the other day which is so true and it's pretty much exactly what was happening to me in this moment and it's by Eckhart Tolle many people who are going through the early stages of the awakening process and are no longer certain what their outer purpose is what drives the world no longer drives them seeing the madness of our civilization so clearly they feel somewhat alienated from the culture around them some feel that they inhabit a no man's land between two worlds they're no longer run by the ego, yet the arising awareness has not yet become fully integrated into their lives. Mm -hmm. Inner and outer purpose have not merged. That defines that moment, D. Like, I, I had been for six months training, not drinking alcohol, not doing drugs, like all of my neighbors when I lived on the beach in Newport, and that's what everybody does and, mm -hmm. and did at the time. Um, and of course, you know, I used to be a party girl too before that. And so for me, for six months to not drink, I feel like bodybuilding in a way saved me from my um, using alcohol as a side, uh, as a distraction to mm -hmm. feel what I was supposed to be feeling, which was fear to be 
who I really am and fear to step into my power, into my light and, and show up and have people look at me because I always think like, if I'm this light being, I don't want to make people feel bad about themselves for not stepping into their light too. And that's that Marianne Williamson quote about we're most fearful of our light than our darkness. And so that was that transitory point in my life where I started to step into my power and I started to step into my light and away from the darkness and the patterns that I used to, um, to exploit those feelings. And so what happened in that six-month time period is I started re- remodeling my friends. Like my friends who I thought were my friends would say, oh, you could have a few drinks, so oh, you could have a few drinks. And I'm like, no, I'm in contest prep. Can you just support me on this mission? And yeah. no, no, misery loves company, and they want me to drink with them. And I'm like, no, I don't know how many times. I, can you please just respect this and, and support me? And I realized, God, people are really selfish. They're really insecure, and they really need someone to step down with them. And, and the more I said no, the more I had to step up, and the more I realized I was creating this this space between who I thought were my friends and who really were my friends. And I went, I don't even know who my friends are. Yeah. So these these fourteen people. Go ahead, D. Now, I was just saying, did, are, did you go through, because I've gone through this in the last year or so, maybe the last year and a half, where there's this constant tug of war where you are the old you and the new you oh. are battling. Have you gone through that? Yeah. Oh, still am. Yeah. <laughs> for the rest of my life, the, for the rest of our lives. I think that that is the journey of being a human. And that is that is the fun challenge that you and I talk about that I love, like... It's almost like being being in this body is like a fun game. It's like it's it's our own personal video game. It's like I always people say, "Oh, do you watch? Do you go, like to go to movies or what movies do you like?" And I'm like, "I don't watch movies. I like to make my own movie. That is my own life." Or what video games do you like? I don't know. My game is my my life is a video game. Like I see challenges and I step into them. I'm not carrying around a gun and killing zombies, but in such a way we we are with words or we are with you know actions. So. Um, the, the, the tug of war will always be there. And, and I like to say to clients and patients that I work with, um, you know, because, of course, I help people with weight loss and getting, you know, purging the viruses that, that are the, the reasons why they have autoimmune disease or why they have other diseases or depression. Um, but these things, these things that, that we get to entertain, these thoughts, we have a path in our brain that we get to choose. We get to choose the programming that we were taught by society, our parents, the churches, politics, whatever, work, um, college, we get to choose that programming or we get to challenge what is my truth. And I think that's the most fun is to, to, to listen to the two of them and, and, and pick which one makes the most sense in that time. And it always tends to be the, our truth. Our truth is always the right answer. But we're afraid to be our truth because we're afraid to be different. So that's where I want to challenge people to, to, to find true, organic, authentic happiness is to not seek comfort, not seek normal and average. It is to seek your optimal and to step into your uniqueness that the world needs. And it's selfish to do other. It's selfish to be average. It is the opposite of selfish to step into who you really truly are because you are the only person that can do this, offer this gift the way that you can. Yeah, I agree with you. I started shooting these videos that had nothing to do with health and nutrition. And I remember when I first started doing them, I'm like, people are going to think I'm crazy as hell. I know, I know. And, <laughs> and, 
And I was so afraid to do it, but I was like, you know what? This is me now. And I mean, if people have been following me, if people have been following my shows, you know that every now and then I put something in there that's spiritual. But that's because I'm evolving. And I think that we have this whole mind, body, soul connection, but we have it in reverse order. And I've talked about that as well. But, um, I wanted to ask you about your traveling. You're traveling around the world. Do you want world. me to finish that 14-person thing you asked me about? Because we kind of went around a loop-de-loop on that. Uh, yeah, finish that thought. Okay. Well, it was the question that you had about the people who were supposed to show up to my show. Mm-hmm. And they didn't because that was that was my pivotal moment where you know my 14 quote-unquote friends who were more party friends than they were real friends, they said they were going to come to my show. And... No one came to the prejudging except for one of my friends, and that was my roommate at the time, and he was too hungover to stay. <laughs> and the other 13 friends, turns out that they were too hungover um, to go, and they were partying too late the night before. Of course, I wasn't. And so there I was when they started calling numbers, and they called not my number as second place. That meant I was first. And I, my, my body started shaking. I lit up and I realized, oh my God, all this hard work paid off. I won. I won. I did this. And I qualified for nationals. As I stepped up to get my trophy, I looked around to see who was there and I saw zero. No, none of my friends were there. No one was there to support me. And then that's when I realized that I'm alone in a good way. I am the only person that I should rely on for my own happiness. And I can't, you know, the more I place expectations outside of myself to get approval for other people to share in my success, those are things that are transient. Those are things that I can't control. Those are things that are toxic to happiness. Those are things that will lead you into darkness when you expect other people to make you happy or to celebrate for you or to tell you that you're awesome or that you look great. That is probably, in my opinion, the chief pesticide against real happiness is placing expectations outside of ourself. And then, of course, the other chief pesticide would be the, as J.P. Sears, my buddy, would put it, we're, we're, saying, we're full of crap when we say we want to be happy because in our mind, our definition of happiness is mostly being comfortable. And in my opinion, being happy is, is a spectrum of a wide variety of emotions. And, um, you know, if we look at, emotions like a rainbow happiness is one part of it but so too is being challenged and exercising our fears and that's fulfillment so people are seeking chronic happiness and expecting to not feel anything else other than it and that is that is the incorrect calibration for chasing our dream yeah you have to have that contrast and that's one of the things i've realized in the past two years that in order for me to grow I have to have that contrast. Sometimes the negative is essential in order for growth. It just yes. has, to, has to happen. And yes. that's one of the things that I've become comfortable with. Like, okay, this happened. How am I going to deal with it? Because I know that it happened in order to make me grow. Um, talking about your traveling, you travel a lot, more than most. Um, during your travels, were you traveling as a result of trying to find happiness and did you find happiness in your travel or at some point did you realize that that happiness was within you all the time without the traveling? Yeah, when I was in India climbing the Himalayas one day by myself, and I, I overturned this rock and I found happiness. It was right there underneath the rock. I was like, fine, I was looking for you all my life. There you are. 
I just had to go to India by myself to find it. <laughs> um, it you know, joking aside, it, it kind of did happen that way, Dee. Um, I, I travel the world because I, quite frankly, was... T- am I allowed to swear on this? I'm not sure. I, I could just say BS. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> um, I was tired of my own bullshit. I was sick of my ego. I was... I mean, our ego... Our ego is a tool, just like negativity is a tool. But my ego was was overriding everything. It was it was trumping. The, the, whenever my heart wanted to come out and my truth wanted to share, um, the little voice inside of me said, "Why would you do that? Someone's going to trample on that. They're going to think you're stupid. They're going to think that you're weak." And then my ego would come out. No, no, no. Look how strong I am. And it was like, why? What am I? Who? Who am I trying to prove? What to like? Who am I talking to when I'm saying these things in my head? And who am I speaking for? And who taught me how to talk like that? Like, ew. Mm-hmm. And at the time when I first decided to take my world tour and I was gone for five months, I was living in Santa Monica, quote unquote, living the dream, um, at least according to what I thought was the formula for happiness at the time. But I was extraordinarily depressed. I was... Um, living in one of the most beautiful places in the world and I was teaching yoga I was a yoga teacher but it hit me that I was like how am I how have I done all of these things that I've been taught that would lead me to happiness but I'm more depressed than ever I think my formula for happiness is not correct at least maybe it's not my truth it's what I've been taught versus what is my is my genuine light of happiness and so I said you know I need to go be alone I need to detach from what I feel as though and I'm speaking for others when I say this too so I hope that my journey other people can resonate with because it's what we all do I'm no different than anyone else how I go about it how I've reacted to it and what I've done about it may be different but our journeys are all the same and that is that we have these little aha moments where I'm like I'm not happy there's something in my life I'm not happy with right now and what I hear most people doing and why I created the project we'll talk about in a minute mm-hmm. what I hear most people doing is they they have the aha moment they come to these beautiful realizations and like whoa awareness that is like awareness is the coolest part about all of this is what you when you go I am not happy that that's a statement and that is your challenge do you want to explore why you're not happy or do you want to just keep playing that kind of I say this with all due respect and love, victim card. If we just, we have, a, we have the ability to complain about it and continue to keep ourselves small by saying, I'm not happy, I'm not happy, but what are we really doing about that? And when I ask people, what makes you happy? A lot of people can't even really describe it. Most people say, I just wanna be comfortable. I just want things to go smoothly. Well, then you're definitely on the road to failure <laughs> because that is not part of the equation of happiness. We can't, we can't experience ultimate happiness, true bliss, until we've experienced major lows too. And what we're doing as a society now is we're numbing those major lows. No, you shouldn't feel depressed. Even for a few days, take this antidepressant. You shouldn't feel sad. Go drink some alcohol. Just separate, get, get out of your body for a little bit. You shouldn't feel sad. Here's some heroin, which is the top used drug now for children and for teenagers. And what one of my best friends went to rehab for. Um, and that was a part of this project too. So for me in that time frame, I wasn't using 
but I definitely was doing a lot of yoga and it still wasn't making me happy. I was chasing relationships, I was in relationships, I was blaming my unhappiness on those relationships, I still wasn't happy. So I went, I am the only person that can get behind the wheel of happiness as a spectrum of emotions and I need to go explore what that is. And so when I went and traveled to India and Brazil, different parts of America, did internships under um, authors and raw foodists, et cetera, and then I also went to Thailand, I went on a mission to exercise fears that I never imagined that I had. And I swam with bull sharks in open waters. I got my scuba diving certification. Um, I did something in every country that scared the living crap out of me. Mm-hmm. And the more I did that and the more I got lost, like literally and figuratively, and saw the people in India who were more happy and smiling deeper just to have a breath than Americans are to have a Maserati. You know, it, it like, that really hit me in India. When I was there and I saw the filthiest, poorest people in the world, and they were more happy and more content, and they would bow to me and say namaste in prayer as I walked by with this huge, crooked, toothless, brown smile. And I thought, we have it all wrong. I have it all wrong. And that's why I love traveling, because it gets me out of my programming. Right, right. Traveling can definitely open your eyes to some some different things. And you you discover a lot more about yourself when you're out of your regular environment. Um, Yes. What I've noticed, too, um, in my journey is that this is always a process. You never get that passing grade. It's like as long as you're here on this earth plane, you're going to be constantly adjusting, readjusting, adjusting, readjusting to kind of find your place in the world. I don't know if that's true for you, but I know it's definitely true for me that as soon as I think that I have something under thumb, so to speak, something comes up and it's something that I have to deal with. I just dealt with an issue uh, last week that I thought I had gotten over with but I dealt with it um, speaking of that and the process and you going through the process doing yoga traveling doing all these things um, I want to take you back to January 12 do you remember anything about January 12 of this year of this year oh wow January 12th is when I was going through it um, I was a relationship that had hurt me that had ended and the day after my birthday last year he came back and said he wanted to he was sorry and he felt awful for you know being so hard on me and wanted to try it again and then I entertained that and then decided that I needed to be more patient and just let mm-hmm. him go through his thing and patience was something that I was calling into my life so maybe was it that mm-hmm. No. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, oh, you were okay. you were you were going through something personal, but I'm going to get into that as well. You recorded a video and you put that video on, on Facebook, and that oh, video was yes. eight minutes, thirty two seconds, and yes. that video was in relation to what your clients were going through. But I'm wondering, and you kind of just affirmed that that you were going through something at the same time. So yes. that. I'm going to sit here and say that that was your jumping off uh, jumping off point for this particular summit that we're going to be talking about. Is that a correct assumption? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it so was a culmination of a, a mound of things happening at one time, and I not only felt sadness for myself, but I was feeling sadness for the people in my lives who were feeling 
extreme sadness and suffering from being confused and depressed yeah and that video actually had two uh, over two thousand views and that's that's rare that's rare diane that we will view something over two thousand times if it's not funny because most of the facebook uh, most of the facebook videos that you see that are have gone viral are funny stuff like mm -hmm. people on there joking someone fell down just stuff that does not have any meaning other than entertainment yeah i have a whole concept of the of that too for human nature <laughs> yeah but you know that video to me was the culmination or the starting point for you to start getting into this whole thing and then yes a few, mo few months that that passed by you decided to start this project um your project or summit is called heart to happiness mm -hmm. and you chose to focus on the area of depression why did you decide to do that yeah um I think that I think that a lot of our what I call passion projects I think that a lot of them especially when we're entrepreneurs or maybe we have side businesses um, 501c3s I think those are born out of our our, our own struggle right like mm -hmm. um, you know raising money for cancer funding raising money for the cause or the cure which I would rather say, uh, how about we just spread awareness on the cause versus finding the cure, because the cure isn't the cause. Um, but a lot of those these things that we do is because of our own suffering, and we want to feel better. We, we want to feel less hopeless and helpless. And at the time, I was feeling very weak because I had two of my best friends were using various substances to escape from the light that they were because they were people pleasing all over the place mm -hmm. and I can identify with that and I I know every woman can men can too but women specifically we are the roots of the planet we are what help helps connect men to their hearts and the more men are in their hearts the more happiness that we can have as a world. And so I think the more lost we are as women and the, the less connected we are to our divine source and goddess-like nature that we're here to offer to the world, the more that the planet is diseased, the more that we as human beings are diseased, the more that animals are diseased because greed is reigning and heart is not. And I may sound like a fun-loving fun hippie, but it's the <laughs> truth. Um, we are much more productive when we're happy. There's tons of studies on this, and I did lots of research. After that video, I set out to really explore what kind of message was out there about the productivity of being happy, the efficiency of love, and where we were as a society in relation to what where we should be which is mostly in our hearts you know there's a there's a place for ego and there's a place for heart and of course what what happens whenever we experience something in our lives and i know this to be true for everybody that i work with we all question am i normal am i alone am i the only one going through this uh, and we feel shame around an emotion and once we discover 
that we're not alone and this is a common human interface to experience and not only just it's part of being human but it is running rampant more today than ever and we are spending more money today than ever on trying to fight disease and depression and depression is the number one reason now that we are out of work depression is the number one reason for disability and at the time one of my two friends who was suffering and using alcohol and near death um, damn near suicide um, she's been out of work for quite some time she's been out of her body for quite some time and the other one was um, using a lot of drugs to numb her emotions because she was literally being everything that she wasn't and trying to people please As, does this come from um, you, you've gone through the summit you listen to the speakers you had what 25 speakers that have spoken on this specific topic um, has this come about this, this, this problem that we have with our society has this come about just because we have lost or we have tried to teach people to bury their emotions and not really feel their emotions Yes. Yes, Darren. Yes. I I am most upset at how much men are condemned for feeling and expressing their emotions. That is what saddens me the most because primarily you guys are raised to be this sign of strength, this warrior who doesn't feel, but yet can kill and protect and bring home food and scavenge and reproduce and spread the seed, right? And I don't, I don't know when there ever has been a time in history where you guys were encouraged to express and really truly feel. And selfishly, not just for me, but for all of my girlfriends. I mean, I'm, I work hard. I use my heart in my work and I, I, I'm an open book. I invest a lot of energy into my clients and my friends and my loved ones. And I'm, I'm very much authentic in my delivery. And I wish I, I wasn't always this way. It's been a lot of work to get here to give less, uh, F's about what other people think mm-hmm. um, in, in a, um, an empowering sense. Not that I don't care about other people, but I just don't really want to weigh, put too much weight on their judgment of me because their judgment of me is their judgment of themselves and what pisses them off most about themselves. Mm-hmm. And so with men today, it, I have seen they are afraid to feel, they're afraid to express their emotions. And so because they're afraid to feel this and express this, they would just rather abort mission and leave the women confused and sad, hanging, wondering what happened. And then here we are sitting insecure about ourselves. There must be something wrong with me because he denied my love. He rejected me. He didn't call me back. He's not, you know, he easily breaks up with me. You know, it's, I was reading something today and basically, you know, the summary is that relationships are intended to create growth and today they tend to stifle growth more than enhance it and that's one of the main reasons that we're failing at romantic love right Mm -hmm. 
we, we expect our partners to act in a certain way. We expect them to read our mind. We repress ourselves to please others. And soon thereafter, we feel small and confused and oppressed and minimized, and which inevitably makes the partnership feel like a cage that we want to break out of. But the, but the, the scary truth is we're the ones that have caged ourselves. And conscious couples is the thing of 2016. It, 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 the way that couples and people are coming together, be it partnership in business, friendship, relationship, the conscious, conscious partnerships value growth more than anything because they know that it's the secret to keeping partnerships and connections alive. And what we lack today more than ever is connection. And that lack of connection is what is leading us to depression and disease and death. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're trying to chase the symptoms of with drugs. We can't experience partnership, conscious partnership, conscious love, conscious relationships without seeing the shit inside of us. Relationships are the best place to learn who we really are and our deepest, darkest fears that once we bring them up to the surface and we address them, that's, the, that's where happiness lies. That's where bliss lies and that's where it lives. And that's where we can experience the resiliency that when things happen to us, when stressors occur, we're able just to brush them off and not allow them to affect us because 90% of our happiness is not what we have. It's about how we perceive the world. It's not about the things that we own. It's about how we react to the world. Yeah, relationships um, are huge just simply because what I've learned is we are reflecting ourselves back to us. And a lot of people yes. fear that intimacy with themselves. So therefore, yes. when something goes wrong, you have two partners there or even in a friendship, when something goes wrong within a friendship, it's just reflecting us back to us. And we yes. don't want to see that reflection. So therefore, we avoid it. And a lot of men do that. A lot of women are doing that, too. Women are not as feeling as they once were. Some, mm -hmm. I'm not going to say all, mm -hmm. but we as a society have been taught to kind of dumb our emotions down and our emotions are there for as a guidance. They're a guidance mm -hmm. that you gravitate to what feels good, you stay away from what feels bad, but most people just sit. They never take that emotion and leave it or use it as a way to expand and to grow. Yes, um, you know, I think there's a good visual for that I just thought of. It's It's like, it's like if you set, if you're going from you know I'm just going to use Orange County to Los Angeles because I was there this last weekend for a party with Renee Piani and she's one of the experts I interviewed on love. If you guys mm -hmm. um, want to listen to that one, um, it was her husband's birthday and so I went up to, to Los Angeles and I used my GPS to get there. So GPS says get off the freeway, turn left. Let's just say that instruction is is like an emotion that comes through in my head. Oh, you know what? I'm not going to turn left. I'm just going to turn right. That's the equivalent of not listening to that emotion and just trying to say, nope, I'm not going to feel that right now. And I'm going to numb it with alcohol or, or drugs or, or sex or 
um, you know, f the force of making someone else make me feel happy because I feel sadness. I don't want to feel it. Hey, you make me happy. Hey, make me happy. And it's like not listening to your GPS. I mean, these emotions, they are, are clues. They're clues to help guide you to discover what it is that is holding you back from everything in your life. When you understand yourself better and you are connected to yourself, then everything gets better. Your body gets better. You get the body of your dreams. You get the relationships that you've always wanted. You get the friendships. You get the support. You get the money. You get the power. You get the family. And things just all fall into place. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned something earlier in the interview, and I wanted to just get your take on that because when you start feeling your emotions, and I've gone through this myself, um, there's a part of you that just doesn't want to go with that. It just says, hey, you've been doing what you've been doing for a number of years. Keep doing what you're doing. You just want to stay. You want to stay still, but you want to stay where you are and stay comfortable. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that I've noticed is that I had to, at some point, be a little bit more vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I'm wondering if going through these interviews, um, uh, really talking to clients like you talk to your clients, how many have you seen that were made themselves more vulnerable and have you made yourself a little bit more vulnerable through uh, going through this, this particular summit? <sighs> During this summit, this summit, I really wanted to help others to really tap into their uniqueness and their gift and their light. I, that's, that was my greatest intention for this because I didn't share, you know, I shared that my boyfriend and I at the time, who I haven't spoken to since um, Valentine's Day, which is when um, I was home visiting my family. Um, I was there because I was saying goodbye to my aunt who was dying of cancer and it was her second go round. She got breast cancer once. They use chemo and radiation, which you and I both know doesn't get to the root of cancer. Um, it only, you know, trims the dead leaves, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Her root was still there, <clears throat> and the root grew cancer back again. And for her, I firmly believe it was unresolved childhood trauma and people pleasing, and. It was her unhappiness that I believe led to her growing cancer and passing away. And when I knew, when I learned more about her and, and her journey, and she was such an amazing soul, but when I learned about her childhood and I learned about the person that she grew to become as a shell, it was an outer shell, it was her persona, it wasn't her spirit. It was who she had to evolve to become in order to fulfill the role that someone else in her family wasn't. And so all of the siblings knew that about her. And so when she passed, it was my gift to honor her, the world, and let the world know that, you know, the estimates now are one in two men and one in three women in the next, you know, in this, this lifetime will have or have had cancer. And our thoughts are thousands of times more powerful than the chemicals that we expose ourselves to mm -hmm. or don't. Mm -hmm. And so for me, 
I'm good on that end, you know, D. I'm I'm, pre- I'm real good at detoxification and digestion, and that's what I specialize in. I've got my warrior cleanse. I teach people all around the world how to, you know, become their best warrior body. But the thought process wasn't all the way there for me because I was pretty traumatized with all of the tr- the things that were happening around me. I had financial problems. My aunt died. My two best friends were struggling in rehab, and then um, the breakup. So those things were all just I felt very weak and so when I channeled what I channeled and the people that I brought into this I definitely transformed I changed my wardrobe I hired six new staff for my business I had this new mission that I felt this is so powerful and what I'm feeling and what these speakers are telling me and how I'm going to interweave these into my practice to support people and to help people beyond nutrition everyone needs to hear this and it's not going to fail and I had no more financial struggles. I had no more blockage of financial fear. I just started investing and investing and taking more risk because I, I all of a sudden believed in what I had put together with these other, you know, the strong network of people. And I said, the fact that I was able to get through the bullshit of my entire life in one three-month time period. Mm-hmm. That was a miracle in and of itself. You know, the, the the eight biggest things that I took away from that is to explore gratitude. Literally every day, write three things down before I go to bed of what I'm grateful for. And they're not always beautiful things. They're, they could be really ugly, but they were just an awareness for myself. It's like, hey, this is a truth and I can learn it or I can run away from it. So you know, I learned gratitude. Then I learned that the happiest that we'll ever be is in this moment right now. And there's even studies in TED Talks that say that if we're shifting focus away from this moment, even if this moment is painful and we daydream about being on a beach in Hawaii, we are less happy when we are less present, even in the present moment, if that's painful. Mm -hmm. So be more in the moment, be present, ditch your cell phone. I've pissed a lot of people off by not texting them back in a 24-hour time period, but I don't care. IDK, I don't, IDC, I don't care. Um... So that's literally like not people pleasing right there. And the third one is to give more. So I've been giving a lot more. I've been giving more of my time, my energy, my money, just giving. The fourth one is to plan my own time. I'm not cramming so much in a schedule. After eight o'clock, I'm done working. I'm done. I used to work till two in the morning. I work 15, 16 hour days. Hmm. And now I just, I schedule me time. There's nothing selfish about that. It is the most selfless thing that you can do. Mm -hmm. And... You know, the, the words crazy busy, I'm like, I have developed an IgG response to that, I swear. I can't stand it when I hear people go, I'm so crazy busy. I'm like, ah! What Dale Thomas in the first interview um, taught us to say instead of crazy busy is, I am in high demand. I'm in high demand. It's language. And it's language. It's choice yes. of words. Yes. And then, yep. The fifth one is to take risks. Every day I'm doing something that, and I'm encouraging clients and, 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 and patients and everyone who's listening to do something once a day that gets us out of our comfort zone. Take risks. And then you get to explore, yeah, you're going to fall on your face sometimes, but you know what? When you accomplish that risk, then you get to taste what it feels like to have fulfillment. And you, you're going to chase that more than you are going to chase failure. Um, realizing that failure is part of the journey to success. And then the stop trying to people please everyone, be yourself with unapologetically yourself. The seventh one is explore creativity and vulnerability. Those two are hand in hand. So I'm doing things that are very artsy now. Um, my creative space is now what I realize is, is um, painting and drawing and doing graphic arts. I'm doing that a lot more. 
and then awareness, knowing knowing who I am, ex- asking questions when I'm experiencing or feeling something, even if it's just a physical body sensation. What am I feeling this for? Where is it coming from? Just just to be totally present with yourself and not to judge that, not mm-hmm. to judge things as they come up. Yeah, that's huge. I had a headache Saturday and I was like, I was walking through the, the uh, grocery store and I was like, what am I feeling? What am I feeling? What's bugging me? What's bugging me? And I pinpointed one little thing and I just soothed it a little bit. My headache went away. Mm-hmm. That's just how huge it is when little things are bugging us and things that we bury how they come up in the body and all you have to do is like address them and move forward you know what i mean but um yeah. who you've you had 25 experts 25 people that you talked to what interviews stood out most in your mind who well we we always We're always connected to the things that we're most disconnected from, right? Mm-hmm. So, meaning, I was, for me, I, you know, there's, there's, there's seven pinnacles of wellness. And that's what I talk about in this Heart to Happiness project. And I'm calling it a project because I've created some um, exercises for people that within the confines of happiness exist seven key areas to wellness and happiness. And I've created a quiz to help people explore where they're most deficient in and it's something that I've created through a lot of research across all of these different areas among different experts and the research and the studies and of my own experience mm-hmm. and social wellness is well you know including environmental how we treat the planet is how we treat ourselves there's emotional wellness um, how we share feelings with others how we share it with ourselves. Um, how we handle our own emotions, spiritual wellness mm-hmm. um, is is keeping the connection between values and actions, um, and having those synergize. You know, financial wellness. You know, having enough, not too much, not too little. What we do with our money, our relationship with money, occupational wellness. Are are we getting personal fulfillment out of our careers? Um, are we following our purpose? Intentional wellness is the ability to open our minds to new ideas and experiences and and seek challenges. And then there's physical wellness, which is, you know, what I focus on a lot. I feel like I'm really good with physical wellness. I'm I'm detoxing every day, recognizing that our our actions influence our our body um, image and and, and the weight that we carry or don't. So we talk about all of those. And, of course, I can help people in the physical wellness more than I can help people in those other areas. Even though I did financial wellness before, I still have some tips on that I share with people. Um, I try to make nutrition as cost-effective as possible. But the one that hit home with me the most was um, were the relationship ones because I feel like I was the most efficient there because I was, I was a little bit codependent in my relationship, my love relationships, leaning heavily into a partner to make me feel better about myself where I was feeling deficient. Mm-hmm. And Renee Piani, um, the love designer, she wrote a book. Um, and she, she was, in, uh, I think, my fourth interview. And then um, I loved Austin Bloods because he had the perspective from the male view. And Darren, he said something that stuck with me forever. And it changed the way I looked at myself in the mirror naked. It changed the way I danced on the dance floor and how I felt about myself dancing on the dance floor and my judgment of myself and my judgment of others perceiving judging me. He said that if, if we women, um, if we, if we just had confidence in ourselves and didn't lean so heavily outside of ourselves 
to make others feel better about ourselves, then it would eradicate 70% of relationship problems. Mm-hmm. And I went, wow, that's a pretty powerful number. So mm-hmm. really, the key to all of this, the key to successful relationships is having internal confidence in ourselves, seeing ourselves as beautiful, no matter what the situation is, knowing that we are a work in progress, even though you may see yourself being 20 pounds overweight in the mirror, you're on a journey, you're on a path, you're not going to be there overnight. You should love yourself along the journey no matter where you're at. And so those two got me more into my space of vulnerability. And then after that point, I said, I am going to publicly announce that I am looking for a relationship. I felt shame in that before. I felt desperate by saying that I was that I really wanted someone to walk into my life. And then expressing that, I was scared to at first. I felt like I might be judged. But it started this fun movement and people started sending pictures of unicorn men to me. <laughs> <laughs> and I found people coming into my life saying, Hey, do you want to go on a date? And I'm like, wow, this is this is and more people coming into my life that were more what I was looking for. So it was neat to challenge myself in a place that I was most fearful of being vulnerable and stepping into and that affirming that I, I that my that 99 percent of what we th- of what we think never happens was affirmed and I was like all right onward ho with the one percent so that was part of my quiz that I realized I was the most efficient there and then we when we work on that one piece of the seven then we work on that we fix that it starts to color everything else and make everything else easier so that's why i called that the project and i literally lost two years worth of videos d in the um two years and two days worth of videos in the process of all of this and i didn't stress out one bit i just went well whatever i'll have to do them again yeah so how do we go about signing up for this or or getting access to it sure yeah so um heart to happiness is the name of the project and, you know, heart to happiness, exactly how it sounds. And um, you'll see a little video and you'll see all the speakers on there. Um, it's, it's on until June 8th. So basically it started May 16th. It's on until June 8th. We've got 24 speakers plus me who are in there. Um, when you sign up, you get videos every day. You get an email every day announcing who's up. And every speaker that is on there has three key takeaways that you can employ immediately into your life so that you could start being happier. And it's not about you know, happiness, comfort. It's about wildly happy beyond your wildest dreams. Cool. Diane Kayser, it's been real. Thanks for being on today. Darren McDuffie, thanks for having me, my man. Thanks.